Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. I have something a little bit different. I'm calling it a mini episode. I recently spoke on a panel at Elevate New Brunswick, which was a conference hosted by Elevate International, which has a mandate of empowering women to lead. I hope you enjoy it. We're trying something new, so let me know what you think. Vanessa. Now I don't have to be the one to plug uh, Femlocks. <laughs> that being said, our episode next week features Vanessa, so if you want to learn more about what she presented, uh, please tune in. <laughs> um, so I- I'm, I'm really excited to be here, and actually I just wanted to first acknowledge the fact that um, I am filling in for Karina LeBlanc, and I want to acknowledge that because I really feel that without her and without the Pondespande Center, I wouldn't be here today in this role. And the reason for that is um, I actually learned about social innovation and social entrepreneurship from the Pondespande Center through their student ambassador program. Um, and, and honestly, when I applied for that program, I had literally no idea what it was. Um, and I soon learned that basically there is a way to make decisions and do business where you consider both the social impact and the social side while also considering your bottom line. Um, And since then, to me, it it kind of was a light that clicked on. Like, why would you choose to do anything different? And so through that process, um, I really, I learned again what social innovation was, um, and it really has guided my life since then. So I just wanted to recognize the work of the Pondespande Center and, and Karina's contribution. Um, lots of what has been said today has sparked some thoughts for me as well. So I'm going to do a bit of, of what Susan did and put my notes aside. Um, but I did create some new notes as folks were talking. Um, so first, a question I get asked a lot is, what is a femwonk? What does that mean? <laughs> um, and to me, it means two things. So the wonk side is a bit of taking back the sometimes negative connotation that somebody is a policy wonk. So by doing that and adding kind of the fem piece, for me, that's really about inclusive policy, inclusive decision making, um, and actually a bit of the heart of what gender-based analysis is. And I'm, I'm really happy that Richard gave everybody a Cole's notes on that <laughs> beforehand. Um, And I actually will note that if folks want to learn more about that, the Government of Canada does offer a free online training that's like an hour long, maybe a bit longer. So I would recommend doing that. It's really informative. But so, so yeah, so back to what what is the FEMLOC? It it is really about inclusive decision making um, to me. That's that's the core of what that looks like. And when I was thinking about uh, the topic of this panel, I was thinking, you know, actually, for me, social innovation is the core of being a femwonk. It really is about innovation, but from the perspective of how can we make folks' lives easier, how can we include more people in the discussion, and how can we look at some of our biggest social challenges and bring together inclusive, diverse decisions and and really policy, legislation, whatever it may be, to solve those problems. Um, I was really happy to, to hear from uh, our first presenter kind of one of the key ways of removing barriers or making progress was removing barriers, introducing laws, and introducing meaningful policies. 
Um, so I released my third episode today, um, but my second episode actually was about pay equity, um, which Susan did mention a bit. So pay equity is basically um, equal pay for work of equal or comparative value. So that is a bit different than pay parity, which we're all quite a bit more familiar with, which is basically, you know, if you're a teacher and you're a man and you're a teacher and you're a woman, you're paid the same. Um, pay equity is a bit of a deeper evaluation of what the value of a job is. Um, and I think it's so fantastic to have Owen be leading by example and, and um, already being far, far ahead on pay equity. But that is a role, pay equity is a role where we can break down barriers and create policies, whether it's in our workplace or laws, whether it's at the provincial or federal level to enact pay equity. So that I think is one of those examples of kind of looking at barriers um, and identifying ways to move forward. And then today, the episode that we released talks about the 1.5 time incentive that was introduced in, or I guess amended the public process financing, sorry, political process financing act to count votes cast towards women in the last provincial election at 1.5 times votes cast for men. Um, so we go really in depth on that topic today. Um, and I think that again, that was, you know, what is a barrier or what, what is a problem here? We know that we have too few women represented in elected positions. What is a lever that we can pull that is innovative? And it is, by the way, we're the only jurisdiction um, in Canada to do that. And actually research would suggest it's a bit difficult to get into it. Um, the only jurisdiction in the world um, others do some other interesting methods to get more women involved. Um, but that is a really innovative social policy that identified a problem. And we'll see. We, we're through one election cycle. I don't think that you can necessarily throw a baby out in the bathwater. But we did elect the most women in the history of the province. Was it because of this? I'm not sure. Um, if you're interested in learning more, tune into the episode. <laughs> um, and, and I guess, really, what it comes down to for me and, and with FemWonk, I was seeing over, again, my short, short life in the real world, maybe we'll call it, um, I was seeing some really, really great things happening and some really not great things happening. And in both cases, there really lacked a broad social dialogue around it. So that's really my goal, is to bring a really diverse background of folks together to have conversations about public policy from a broad perspective um, and figure out what the tools that we need to bring forward are to make these changes. Um, and my kind of, one of my taglines is, you know, we can't solve problems we don't know exist. Um, I've learned so much already and that really is what I think will kind of, that is where I see FemLonk being a bit of a convener in a sense of raising problems and challenges and developing calls to action so that we can actually have a broader conversation about um, what these solutions look like. The other thing I'd like to note, um, so we've talked about a lot of things today, um, and there are a lot of folks in New Brunswick, particularly in the not-for-profit sector, that are already working on a lot of these big challenges, um, whether it's, you know, I, well, I was going to say the New Brunswick Women's Council, not really a not-for-profit, but a quasi-government-ish organization that convenes many not-for-profits. Um, but there's, again, the Coalition for Pay Equity, the Regulmo Feminist New Brunswick, um, tons and tons of community organizations across the province doing really great work. And when we talk about philanthropy, I can't say it either, philanthropy, there we go, 
Um, if folks are looking to put money where their mouth is, these are great organizations that are doing frontline service that really uh, are strapped for cash in a lot of cases and could use those dollars. So I would highly recommend thinking about that. And I will talk also, or I'll mention, we talked a lot about data. Uh, the Women's Council did do a really large project over the last, I guess, year and a half-ish called Resignate, which uh, had a whole bunch of prongs. I'll, I'll maybe let you go and research it a bit more. But the major thing is they asked women across the province through surveys and um, direct one-on-one -on -one meetings what were their biggest challenges and issues. They got, I think, around 1,500 responses. Um, and then they also met with some of these frontline service uh, providers as well and identified a whole host of data that is direct what are women in New Brunswick saying and what are their biggest challenges. So I think that's a great place for folks to start when they're looking at some barriers and some places that we can kind of identify to move forward. Finally, <laughs> sorry, I've made a lot of notes. <laughs> it's been such a great day. Um, finally, actually, Colonel, I'll bring it back to your point. Um, I'm very passionate about gender-neutral washrooms. It's like something that I talk about all the time. I'm very passionate about it. And this is another great example of, you know, the women's washroom had a very long line, the men's washroom not, not a line at all. So how can we identify some of the, or not even identify, how can we implement some things that we know will work in scenarios like this? The other thing, you know, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, gender neutral washrooms are not just um, about respecting gender affirmation, but also, you know, there are lots of folks that have like IBS and using a public washroom in a public space is very, very stressful for them. Like these are just different things that we can be considering in a broad scope that, you know, are, are policies and procedures and best practices that already exist. So what can we do to amplify those things and, and move forward? So that is all I'll say. Thanks. <laughs>